Now, as we think, talk about Christmas Eve and Christmas message and so forth, um, there's a lot of things that are visible to us that remind us of Christmas. For example, probably most of you have some lights up, or you look in here, you see the Christmas lights. And we think about Christmas lights are used to remind that Jesus is the light of the world, right? He came into this dark world and shines brightly. And so the lights represent Jesus. He even called himself the light of the world. And then you see the, the evergreens, the trees, the garland. Now, how many of you lived up north where in the wintertime, that's the only green you see? You know, and uh, they, they, you know, the snow, the, everything turns brown except the evergreen. Speaking of snow, what did one snowman say to the other? <laughs> you smell carrots? <laughs> anyway, where was I going? But up the evergreens, yes, the evergreens. Um, we don't know exactly where Christmas trees originated, but the greatest thinking is somewhere around the 16th century in Germany. It would have been cold and brown and everything. But they chose these trees. A lot of people think Martin Luther, the great reformer, he was one of the first ones to put a tree in his house representing eternity, life, life in the midst of everything else looking dead. And then they put candles on it. Now, I don't recommend putting candles in your tree, especially here in Florida where your trees really dry out quickly. But it was a, a symbolizing Christmas and the Christmas uh, candles and the lights and the trees. Some, and then you also you think about the star, the star representing the star that the wise men would have traveled to go find baby Jesus. And then there's other things that we do. And one of the great things that we do is give gifts. Probably a lot of you are going to be opening gifts today or tomorrow. And you think about the gifts. First of all, we know the wise men brought gifts to Jesus. But then we know the greatest gift ever, and that's what I'm going to be talking about today in this message. The greatest gift ever was when God sent his own son to this world. We know John 3.16, God so loved the world, that's you and me. He's not talking about the planet, he's talking about the people of the world. God so loved the world that he sent his son, his only son. And he paid that penalty for us. So as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we give gifts. And uh, um, sometimes gifts are like, well, they're maybe not all that useful. Because one of the great things about gifts is knowing if you're going to be a good gift giver, you got to know who, what the need is of the person you're giving it to, right? So you study them, what would they really like and so forth, and you go through works like that. And so uh, I remember um, my grandmother, one time she gave us this gift. It was a, a towel, like a big bath towel, and it had a, a pocket on it. And you put the washcloth in the pocket so it hangs up and you have the washcloth in your top. Now, my wife and I didn't think that that was such a great gift, so that stayed in the closet. Until my grandma came, oh, where's that towel I gave you? You ever have people like that? They give you gifts, and then they look and see, where's that at? So we learned after that, every time my grandma would come to visit, to hang the towel out because grandma's coming so she could see it. She probably wondered why that thing was never wearing out. But, uh, uh, and so gifts. I, re I remember some of you receive gifts, and you're like, oh, I don't want this. So what do you do? You re-gift it. Am I right? That's why white elephant uh, gift exchanges are good. 
So I remember one time we, we got, when we got married, one of my groomsmen, he had just gotten married like a year prior, and we got a gift from one of my groomsmen. And as we were opening the gift, there was still a tag inside of it from when he got married. <laughs> so here's the thing. When you re-gift, make sure there's no, no evidence, okay? <laughs> Hide the evidence so you're not. Now, I tend to give gifts thinking very, very practically, but sometimes that doesn't work, especially when I buy for my wife. But uh, I need help finding gifts for her, and usually my, our youngest daughter, Anna, helps me. In fact, we went shopping this week. They're here visiting from out of town. Because I might buy stuff that's so practical, I think, man, that's a great idea. I'll, I'll test one of the ideas out with you. I think you see it on the screen. Um, <laughs> these are called shoe mops. And you know what? It kills two birds with one stone. You're going to be walking around your house anyway, so you're kind of mopping as you go. Now, how many of you think that that would be a great gift? I notice it's only men raising their hands. By the way, you can buy them on Amazon. They're in Walmart. That is a real gift, okay? But I chose not to give it to Barb, okay? So as we get into the Christmas story, first of all, we know that the Christmas story really began in Genesis, where God is preparing his people for a coming Messiah, Many, many prophecies about the Lord coming. And we're going to look at a few of those prophecies here in a moment. It's like building anticipation. It's kind of like for me, for, uh, with my grandkids, uh, I record shows so we can watch them. And uh, one of the shows they love watching is Paw Patrol. Now, I'm getting a little tired of Paw Patrol, but um, that's a whole other story. So what I do is I f- fast forward the commercials so we don't have to watch them. Oh, not at Christmas time. They all want to watch those. That's what I want, Papa. That's what I need. You know, it's like they, the commercials are actually more important to them than the actual show because they see these things. They're anticipating. They know Christmas is coming, and this is what they're wanting. So it's like God's doing this. He's preparing us for the coming Messiah. Look on the screen at Isaiah 7, verse 14. It says, the Lord, Therefore the Lord himself, who will? The Lord himself will give you a sign. He didn't want us to miss this. It wasn't going to be a normal type of a person coming into this earth. He'd give us a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. First of all, that's an impossibility, isn't it? A virgin conceiving, giving birth. It's a sign, right? And that's not going to be any just ordinary child. Emmanuel, God with us. And then a little bit later in Isaiah chapter 9, it says in verse 6 and 7, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. I love that, to us. See, it's very personal. God came for us, the child, the, the son given to us. And it says the government will be on his shoulders. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really glad the government's on his shoulders, right? Because what if it was just only on Washington, D.C.? Okay? Actually, I heard the, that the government wanted to give us all a Christmas present. And they were trying to figure out how to wrap it up. And they, they determined they were going to wrap it with red tape. <laughs> oh, a few more claps on that one. Okay, good. So let's go back to the word. And it says the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful counsel. What do you need right now? What wisdom are you seeking? 
What direction in life do you need? Because he's a wonderful counselor. Yes, you can go find counselors, and, you can, and they're very helpful, but he's our wonderful counselor. We have access to him 24-7. It's one of the things about Jesus, this son, this child, wonderful counselor, mighty God. See, the cults do not believe that Jesus is truly God. They believe he's a, he's a good person or a, a prophet or a teacher. No, he's mighty God. This is who we celebrate. God came in human form to this earth so he could communicate with us the plan of salvation, and actually do what only he could do, and that's pay for our sins. And then it's called, he's called Everlasting Father. Now, some people will misapply that understanding, and they'll think, well, that means that he's the same as the Father. Well, there is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but the original language, this uh, Everlasting Father, means that he's the source of eternity. He begins eternity. He's, he's the source of it. So he's the Everlasting Father. And he's the prince of peace. Boy, don't we all need peace right now, right? We need physical peace, but we need peace with God. And we need the peace of God, ruling and reigning in our hearts. So these are four of the things that we see here about Jesus. And then verse 7 says, of the greatness of his government. In other words, the kingdom of God. And peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. And over his kingdom. Why that's so important is that it was prophesied to David. King David wanted to build a temple. And God said, no, you're not. But on your throne, on your lineage, the Messiah will come and he will reign forever. It was actually David's son Solomon that built the first temple. But the lineage of Jesus, in fact, with Mary and Joseph, both trace their lineage back to David. It's a prophetic thing right here. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And then it says, the the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What will accomplish it? God will. The zeal of the Lord. He will make this happen. We can't make it. We can't save ourselves. We can't raise up enough of a political leader to do what only God can do. We can try, but this is what Jesus does when he comes. Another prophecy in Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. That doesn't mean Jesus had a beginning. It means it was before there was even time. Out of Bethlehem. And you think about that Christmas story, too. Mary and Joseph were from Nazareth. But to fulfill the prophecy, there was a census that was, that was called for that required them to go to Bethlehem just at the right time for the, for the Savior to be born there. And then we have these prophetic things that were shared with Joseph and Mary. Let's look at the word that was shared with Mary. Luke 1, starting verse 30. It says, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. So it's very clear. They were looking for this this in the lineage of David. Very clear. 
that this was going to be the Messiah. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So the message to Mary, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a son. Even though you're a virgin, you're going to have a son. You're going to call him Jesus. And he will be that Messiah. He will reign in David's, on David's throne. And no kingdom, no, his kingdom will never end. And then the word to Joseph in Matthew 1. Joseph was ready to, he's ready to divorce. Even though they hadn't legally been married, there was a, there were an engagement, a betrothment. But he was ready to put her aside because, hey, she's pregnant. And I know it wasn't mine. But a, an angel went to Joseph, stopped him in his tracks, kept him from doing something that he wasn't, shouldn't do, and had this message. It says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I had that underlined because of the importance of that this is the greatest need that we have, the forgiveness of our sins. That we are all separated from God, a holy God, because of our sin. But this is the real meaning of Christmas, that Jesus came to save us of our sins. And it said, verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So here's our point right here from what we just went through, and that is this. God knew our greatest need to be saved from our sins and reconciled back into a relationship with him. So if you're going to buy a gift for someone, you've got to know what is their need. What do they really need? And God knew that for you and me. He knew we could never be good enough. And so he sent his son, lived a perfect, sinless life. And now we're going to shift our gears a little bit because we're going to go into the fulfillment of it. This was all prophetic. It was all showing to the future. But now, on Christmas, that day when, it, when the Lord arrives... I want, to put your, I want you to put yourself in the shepherd's field. We're going to go through the Christmas story, and we're going to sing some songs. And if you, need to, if you need to sit down during this time, you're sure welcome to. It's going to be about 20 minutes. But I don't know how you're going to be able to sit for some of the songs, like Oh Holy Night. But we are going to be there in that field when the angels arrive, singing glory to God as we go through the message. So would you stand as we sing this first song, O Holy Night?
Do you know that for many years that song was banned from being sung in churches because of the words in there, the slave is our brother. It shows we've come a long ways, amen? Yes. Now this Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. At this time, you can take your little tea light. We're going to sing Silent Night. Thank you. 
Praise the Lord. That's probably the most famous Christmas carol. It's in over 300 languages. And then when that song was written, it's because the, the pipe organ of the church wasn't working. And so they wrote that song so it could be played on the guitar back in 1818. Let's get back to our story. So now you're, you're there. You're in the field. You're one of the shepherds. It says in Luke 2, starting verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. You know, the interesting thing about shepherds is they couldn't testify in a court of law. They were considered to be unclean. They were considered to be the outcasts. They took care of the sheep. Obviously, it was an important role. Fathers did not want their daughters to marry a shepherd. And here they are out in these fields at night when the angels, they didn't, the angels, they, they don't come. This message doesn't come to religious leaders. It doesn't come to governmental officials. And I love it about our God. He comes to ordinary people just like you and me, right? That we can identify with shepherds at times. People say, well, you don't know about my past. You know, God loves to use people with past. That's what he's doing. He's coming to these shepherds. Verse 9 says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. I love that verse there. Don't be afraid. There's good news coming. Great joy for all people. Doesn't matter what language you speak, what skin color you have, what economic background you have. The message of the good news is for all people. And we celebrate that today, don't we? And today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, so clear. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws, lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests peace to whom his favor rests. We need God's peace, don't we? One of the things people are searching for is the peace of God. But it's not automatic. It doesn't happen. This isn't a message of peace to all people. It's to those who his favor rests. That's people who have put their faith and trust in him. That's a benefit that we get is that peace. So now we are going to sing this song, O Come, All Ye Faithful. And again, you're part of that crowd there in the fields worshiping the Lord.
Praise the Lord. We go on in our story in Luke 2, starting in verse 15. It says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. Aren't you glad they did that? Aren't you glad they didn't be like, Wow, man, that was something. What Was that a, a dream? Or was it like a little too close to some of the, the, the weeds growing out here in the field? Are we hallucinating or what? No, they knew it was God, and they went. Sometimes people have an encounter with God, and they never do anything with it. They just kind of keep it to themselves, and it's like, no, they went. They were obedient. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. We're going to sing the last part of this um, thing here on angels we have heard on high. And in this song, there's a part, it's in Latin, in excelsis Deo. Some of you may not know. What, you're, what are you worshiping? What are you singing? In excelsis Deo means, means uh, glory to God in the highest. We're going to be singing glory in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest.
You may be seated. You think about that. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been something to be at that manger scene? Be there, experience it. Now, one of the things I don't think would have happened is uh, what mother with a newborn lying there wants a little boy to come out and do a drum solo? <laughs> we add things to the Christmas story that aren't necessarily biblical, but you know, I do like that song, Little Drummer Boy. But uh, Anyway, so we've gone through the, the message of Christmas, but I want you to know another aspect of it, that God did give us his greatest gift, his son. But a gift must be received. It's not a gift if we don't receive it. If somebody says, hey, well, I want to pay your meal. Oh, no, nope, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. You know, it's like, it's not a gift at that point because you didn't receive it. But if somebody wants to give you something and you say, thank you, you, know, you take it, it's, a, it's a truly a gift. In Galatians 4, verse 4, you see this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. I chose this verse because there's so much packed in there. First of all, it was a perfect time when Jesus came. God selected the time when the Messiah, when Jesus Christ would come. And he was born of a woman. He didn't just all of a sudden appear on the scene. He was fully God and fully man. He had to be a person so he could communicate with us. Otherwise, there would be a language barrier. And he says to redeem us, to buy us back. The law could not save us. You know the purpose of the law, the commandments? Was to show us we could never be good enough. That we've all broken the commandments. He redeemed us under the law. And what was the purpose of him redeeming us? It says there, to that, he might receive, that we might receive adoption into his family. I'm sure in a crowd this size, many of you have been adopted. Some of you are kids right now. You've been adopted into a family. Some of you are adults adopted. I think adoption is so wonderful because, first of all, if you're a biological child, your parents didn't have any choice. You just came. <laughs> they might be thinking, what did I get myself into? God, is this the best you can do here? I don't know. But with adoption, the parent chooses the child. And I believe it's a, such a beautiful picture that God chose us. He wants to adopt us into his family. And when it says adopted into sonship, it's not talking about only the males. The sonship means for men and women it's because uh, the sons had greater rights. And he's given that sonship to all of us. So that was the, the adoption. But then look at John 1. Here's some bad news, but then some good news. It says, and it's talking about Jesus here in John 1. It says, he was in the world. That's what we're celebrating. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. The world was made through him. You, you could read more about this in the book of Colossians. It said, all things were made by Jesus and for Jesus. We were made by him and for him. But look what it says there. It says the world did not recognize him. Isn't that like our world today? They don't recognize Jesus. They don't, they don't acknowledge him. They don't understand the Christianity. They don't, they don't believe in it. Even though he's our creator, even though he created this universe, many people don't recognize him as that. 
They try to explain it away. And look at verse 11. It says, he came to that which was his own. Talking about the Jewish people, God's chosen people. But his own did not receive him. That's sad. His own did not receive him. See, for there to be a gift, it has to be received. These people did not receive him. But in verse 12, it says, yet to all who did receive him. How many of you have received him? A lot of you. So you have to receive the gift. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, and that's how we receive him. We believe in his name. It doesn't mean we just have a mental knowledge. It means we, we trust him. We believe in him so much that we would do anything he says. That's how much we believe in him. We believe in his name. Look what he says. He gave us the right to become children of God. That's an adoption into his family. We are now his children. He's our father. And one thing I know about our father, he has no problem taking care of us and providing for us. He's a good, good father, and he loves his children. But that doesn't come automatic for all who did receive him. So what have we learned here? What what do we see why Jesus came? Look at the next slide. Three things. There's probably more reasons, but I've just simplified it down to three things. First of all, Jesus shows us what God is like. Being that God is invisible, God put on flesh and came to this earth in Jesus so we could see what God's like, how he loved, how he had compassion, how he resisted temptation, how he was perfect, how he was sacrificial for those he loved. He shows what God is like. Also, Jesus teaches us how to live. We need his wisdom. He has given us the instruction manual to life here in his word, the Bible. And he shows us how to live, how to follow him. And the third thing, Jesus saves us from our sin so we can be reconciled with God. It says in Scripture that until you've been reconciled with God, you're an enemy of God. There's enmity between you and holy God because of sin. But God never wanted to stay that way. He came to forgive us of our sins. But we have to be willing to receive that gift. That gift is not automatic. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. It's the gift of God that came to this earth for us. Look at 1 John 5 on the screen. It says, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. See, God has always wanted us to spend eternity with him. If Adam and Eve wouldn't have blown it in the garden and we wouldn't have had sin, we would have still be spending eternity with him. But then sin came in and destroyed that. But Jesus came as a solution. So God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has a Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. See, in this room right now, or those of you watching online, or those who are out in the cafe or in the comments... There's two types of people, those who have the Son and those who do not have the Son. And I want to give every one of you an opportunity to have the Son, to have eternal life. It's not about this church. We're not recruiting you to become members here. In fact, we don't even have membership here. But it's the greatest gift ever. But it must be received. And we have an enemy of our soul trying so hard to convince us otherwise. Oh, you can just be good enough. Oh, there's many ways to God. Oh, this or that. Oh, there's none of that stuff even matters. It doesn't believe we're all going to end up just dusting. Nothing happens. But God wrote this to us. Because look at the next verse, verse 13. 
I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. God does not want it to be a mystery. He wants you to know that you have eternal life. You know, we tell jokes about meeting Peter at the pearly gates and all that kind of stuff. But we can have a myth. There's no mystery. I know when I take my last breath here on this earth, I know I'm going to be stepping into heaven and seeing the awesomeness of God. And many of you know that. You have that assurance. But if you don't know that for sure, you can have that. Remember, he wrote this so that we can know that we have eternal life. He wants us to know that. So it's not a mystery. You might say, yeah, but I'm a bad person. Join the club. You'll fit right in here with us, okay? (laughs) If you knew about my past, you wouldn't even be listening to me right now. (laughs) But Jesus saved me from that. And he's saving many, many other people. Yes, we all have a past. It doesn't matter how good you were or how bad you were. Jesus Christ came to save us of our sins, to forgive us of all of our sins. The Bible says, cleanse us from our unrighteousness. So you'll fit right in here. But there's a big lie that's out there. And we have an enemy, Satan, that's out there trying to just keep people away from it. And that lie is that you can just be good enough. Oh, you just be good enough, and you'll get to heaven. Nobody wants to go to hell. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but how do you get there? It's not automatic. Well, I can just be a good enough person. Well, look at this last verse that we're going to put up on the screen, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for it's by grace. That's another word for gift. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift. It's by grace that you have been saved. Saved from what? Eternal damnation. That we are saved by our sins forgiven. Through faith, that's our part. We put our faith in that. We put our faith and we receive that gift. And it says, this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. And what that's in the original language, it's referring back to the grace that's given to save us. That's given to us as a gift. We receive it. And verse 9 there, so there's no confusion. Not by works, so no one can boast. You can't say, well, I'm good enough. I'm pretty good. People that say they're good enough, you know what they always do? They compare themselves with people worse than them. If you're thinking you're going to be good enough, let me ask you this question. How good is good enough? Is it 51%? A little bit more good than bad? Is it 80%? Is it 90%? How good is good enough? See, nowhere recorded anywhere is there a scale that says that you have to reach this level of goodness before you're going to get to heaven. And everybody, wouldn't you hate it if, if that's what your theology was and you're like, oh, sorry, you missed it by one percentage point. And you say, well, I didn't even know there was no something. No, there's no scale like that. You can't be good enough. God doesn't want that. He, he, he gave us the commandments to show we couldn't be good enough. And the other big thing is what makes something good versus what makes something bad? I, I could take a, a number of things and some of you say, well, no, that's not bad. And some would say, no, that is bad. And, and it was like, We don't really even agree on what's good and bad, and we have no scale. But see, God knew that. That's why Jesus Christ came. That's why we celebrate his birth. It's a gift. It's by grace that you're saved. And I want to give every one of you an opportunity to receive that gift. I'm not here to recruit you to be a part of our church. But I'm here to give you, just like the the angel did to those shepherds, he says, I bring you good news of great joy which is for all people. 
And I bring you that great news that your sins can be wiped away, cleansed. And you can know that your name is written in the book of life in heaven. That someday when you take your last breath here, you can spend eternity with God. And what happens when we accept Jesus Christ? Things begin to change. We ask him and he sends his, his Holy Spirit to live in us. And you might be saying, yeah, but I'm a pretty bad person. I don't think I can do this whole Christian thing. I thought that for two years. People were witnessing to me, and I thought, well, you know, I'm really messed up with drugs and alcohol and living a pretty immoral life, and maybe I need to clean my life up first. I couldn't do it. I was addicted. But you know what? When I invited Jesus Christ into my life, April 3rd, 1981, a college student, everything began to change. He put a smile on my face. He put joy in my heart, and he gave me a power over those addictions. And I've been clean and free because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And he can do the same thing to you. He's no respecter of persons. So would you bow your heads with me in prayer and close your eyes. This is a holy moment. God is speaking to some of you right now. And he's saying, you need to make this decision. You need to receive this gift. Stop living for yourself and start living for God. And you might say, well, I don't know all that that means. Well, we're all still learning that. But if you want to pray today, you want to invite Jesus Christ into your life, you want to surrender your heart to him, and you want to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior, you want to receive that gift of eternal life, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As an act of faith on your part, in a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer right there in your seat. And it's not about some magic words that you're going to pray, but it's about the meaning of this in your heart. You're praying to, to God. So if you want to pray that, just raise your hand up high. It's an act of faith. Yeah, I see hands going up all over. Balcony, all over. Just raise it up hand, high. Kids are doing it. Parents, beware if your kids are doing it because you know what? You need to be able to disciple these kids. And they're making a decision for the Lord. Others of you, adults, Awesome, awesome. Don't be ashamed. If you can't raise your hand up in here for God amongst all these great Christians, how would you ever do it in the world? Yes. I see hands all over the place. That's awesome. And again, you're not joining the church here, but what you're saying, I want this type of relationship with God. Awesome. For all those of you who had your hands up, you can put them down. And there may be some of you others that want to pray this prayer. And I'm just going to encourage you. Pray this in your heart. You're praying to the Lord. And I'm just going to lead you in this prayer, okay? Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. Because I've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. But I know Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. And he went to the cross to pay for my sins. And he rose on the third day. Today, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Please forgive me of all my sin. Send your Holy Spirit to come live in me. And help me to follow you from this day forward. And in the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Can we give a hand to all those people that prayed that prayer? Awesome, awesome. 
And, and at the closing of the service, I'll give you a little more instruction for those of you that raise your hand. But we're going to close with one last song, Joy to the World. And when this song was written, it was written based out of Psalm 98. And it's really, it was really written about the Lord coming back again. How many know Jesus coming back again? Now, we sing this at Christmas time, but it was originally written about the Lord's return. So would you stand with me? Yeah.
Just a few quick things before I dismiss you. Uh, first of all, um, those of you that raise your hand, we'd love to congratulate you, give you some information to help you in your relationship with the Lord. Or there's a, if you're online, there's a number you can call. And we just want to encourage you. We want to congratulate you. Second of all, with the little tea lights, we're a very fiscally conservative church here. So our guest services will be collecting these because they may show up again next year. So we want, we'll save them for next year. Thank you so much for that. If you have prayer needs, we'll have a prayer team up here. Um, if you are visiting with us and you'd like to know more about the church, make your way out into our commons. And by the way, in our commons, we have our information center. You can got, go out there. But we have photo op areas out there. We have free coffee in our cafe area. And also, uh, this is only for this service, but our, our Spanish church is going to be coming out there in about three minutes doing something really special. And I, I can't really blow the secret, but make your way out there quick. God bless you, and have a great Christmas.